to Comics Talk. This is episode 7, a patron-only show mm-hmm. uh, where Chris and I talk, speak off the cuff about comics-related things. So uh, thanks to our patrons for all your Absolutely. support. It's been uh, just steadily climbing and very uh, flattering and humbling and all those uh, superb All those things. adjectives. Exactly, yes. that we like to use. So this this time we want to talk about, you know, we, we have been a little on the uh, doom and gloom side the last couple episodes of comic talk would you say <laughs> the, the last six of them probably perhaps a bit critical well we, we've been uh this time we want to talk about something in comics that we that chris and i just both like a lot and that's green lantern um mm-hmm. and uh, not anything really super specific about green lantern just green lantern we like green lantern we like all the we characters do. the trappings uh again chris are you a big sci-fi space fan otherwise outside of comics no, not at all, which yeah. is weird. Uh, and and that's uh, my my thing with Green Lantern is I I generally like the more uh, earthbound uh, storylines right. than like the far out spacey stuff. Really uh, doesn't do as much for me, but I but I do like a lot of that as well uh, in the uh, in the Green Lantern mythology and lore. Yeah, sometimes they can couch those as like down home stories with funny looking aliens involved. So it depends, sure, depends on how they write them, but. Uh... Yeah, it's. Uh, I would say for me, I'm more of a a, a space guy than I am a swords and sorcery guy. But I'm not really like a super, you know, science fiction uh, fanatic, at least for the outer space stuff. So, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, Green Lantern is something that resonated with me, and uh, mm-hmm. even the very beginnings. Let's tell a little bit about the very the very beginnings of Green Lantern. Yeah, let's uh, lay a little bit of foundation here with uh, Alan Scott. He was uh, the first Green Lantern. He was created by Martin Nodell, uh, using the name uh, Mart Dellen. Uh, his first appearance was in All American Comics issue 16, July 1940, cover date. And his deal is, uh, after a railway crash, which was uh, plotted by his uh, professional rival, railroad engineer Alan Scott came into possession of a magic lantern, which spoke to him and said it would bring him power. I love like the first two panels of this very first Green Lantern story. Is uh, Alan Scott kind of sitting? I think he's smoking a cigarette, as they often were. But he's he, <laughs> yeah. he's, in, he's in the uh, engineer's cab of this of this locomotive, and uh, this one guy is literally just saying, like, you know, there's a lot of people that hate you. I sure hope the bridge ahead of us isn't wired to explode. <laughs> isn't booby And Alan yeah. Scott's like, ah, it's gonna be fine. And the next panel <laughs> is a huge explosion. It's like <laughs> they jump right into it. <clears throat> but actually, his. Uh, Origin story, I think, is much more interesting than that because there's a whole other uh, story, like a fable within a fable, about mm-hmm. the origins of it. Um, when Alan Scott approaches the Green Lantern, uh, which is actually is happens to be on that train, that's how it becomes into possession of it. Uh, it says, three times shall I flame green, first to bring death, second to bring life, and third to bring power." And uh, then Alan Scott has some visions of the past and learns the history of this lantern. Yeah, so 2,000 years ago, a green media came to Earth and landed in the provinces of China. An aging occultist named Chang discovered the meteor and uh, listened to the same spectral promises of death, life, and power. 
Cutting away a portion of this alien rock, Chang fashioned it into a small lantern, this is a Chinese-style lamp, and the, you know, Oriental tradition. Quote, unquote, yeah, you know, the 1930s, 40s Oriental tradition, yeah. Indeed, indeed. (laughs) Uh, Now, the neighboring villages distrusted the sorcerer, and before long, a mob gathered together and killed him. Uh, The flame of life fulfilled the first of its prophecies at that point. Yeah, by killing... Then uh, the lab traveled across the globe for centuries until it eventually fell into the hands of a mental patient named Billings. Billings remolded the lamp into the shape of a train conductor's lantern. Then the green flame of life flared again and mystically restored Billings' sanity, granting him a new lease on life. And as promised, the second of the three prophecies had been fulfilled. Now, from this railroad lantern, Alan uh, Scott crafted a magic ring, which gave him a wide variety of powers, and the limitations of the ring were that it had to be charged every 24 hours by touching it to the lantern for a time, and that it could not directly affect objects made of wood. Mm-hmm. Now, Alan Scott also has an oath that he recites when charging his ring, which really isn't all that snappy. It goes, uh, <laughs> and I shall shed my light over dark evil, for the dark things cannot stand the light, the light of the Green Lantern. Kind of rolls off the tongue. Oh, yeah, sure. Mm. (laughs) Now, as a popular character in the 1940s, the Green Lantern featured both in anthology books, such as All-American Comics, and also Comics Cavalcade, as well as having his very own book, Green Lantern, Volume 1, we would assume. That's right. Uh, (laughs) Now, he also appeared in All-Star Comics as a member of the superhero team known as the Justice Society of America. Following World War II, when the popularity of superheroes in general declined, the Green Lantern comic book was canceled with its 38th issue. That was May-June 1949 cover. And All-Star Comics number 57 from 1951 was the character's final Golden Age appearance. Yeah, but he came back when the uh, JSA came back. And, you know, Chris, I really wanted to bring Hmm. this up because when I was thinking about Green Lantern, I think it's possible that this was the first Green Lantern I ever saw. I, it, really? It was either it was either this uh, in tandem with the Super Friends Green Lantern, Hal. Jo- okay. Would have been Hal Jordan, but I definitely sure. I, the, the the first Green Lantern comics I ever saw definitely would have been these from Jules Pfeiffer's uh, the great comp the great superheroes, which has all okay. these, those the Golden Age yeah. origins. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I probably saw that before Super Friends because Super Friends kind of came in around like. Six or seven, but I, I was reading those mm-hmm. those old comics from like age four, like right away. Uh, okay. They were just fun books to pour through. So um, I think this really might be my first guy. And if you remember that first story, he's like walking through walls, mm-hmm. turning mm-hmm. into light. You know what I mean? It was just crazy to me. Far out. Yeah. Uh, plus that that original costume is like the ultimate ugliest golden age <laughs> ugly costume like every Bloody every God. aspect that is the rob liefeld pouches of golden age costumes it right is. like Blousy, the big high collar yeah, yeah. high collar huge cape it's got stripes it's like well all right you uh you want to clashing the... colors and uh um and you know this this is a character from the golden age that has thrived you know For sure. I mean? he has become he became sentinel uh, mm-hmm. You know, they even he was really the only redeemable character in that uh, New Fifty Two Earth Two. I could say that here in between True. us, us Patreons. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really, I really do dig uh, Alan Scott a lot. And when I really was thinking about being a little kid, I was like, I really, I think at first this guy resonated with me more than Hal Jordan. It wasn't until later when I read the comics because on the mm-hmm. super, on the Super Friends he was. The most forgettable character. It was. He was you know, just there. It was yeah. just a, a fellow that existed in the world. 
Uh, I'm thinking like I, I know uh, I knew Hal first, but uh, Alan Scott might be the first Green Lantern that I owned a comic that had a Green Lantern in it. Oh yeah, because uh, I, I bought the uh, the first issue of the the, the Justice Society revival, uh, the second one in 1992. Oh okay. And uh, because you know it was a number one and it was 1992 and uh, uh, I was an idiot and That's I, he was I didn't Sentinel, know. But they didn't make him Sentinel right away, right? Or was no, it, no, he was yeah. still he was still just Green Lantern right. at that point. He'd become Sentinel during the. Uh, during the JSA, the turn of the century JSA title. Okay. But uh, yeah, because I, I I remember getting that book and seeing you know Green Lantern and it's a dude wearing a red shirt. Like, I was what? Like, what? <laughs> what the hell is this? And then you know and then his good buddy Jay Garrick, the Flash with a you know with a frying pan on his head. I didn't know, my twelve year old mind didn't know what these characters were. And why they were going by these names? Because I I didn't know anything about uh, the generational aspects of the right. ages. The multiversal so, uh, thing, yeah, it's all for it's, sure. For it's sure. a lot to see at once. Sure, you'd be like, what? What's that all about? Absolutely. Uh, especially since Hal Jordan isn't Alan Scott's son either. You know, it's like, where did he? <laughs> what the hell is... How did you? What? <laughs> but I do I do love the fact that DC, even up until at least that, to my knowledge, I didn't read all of that Earth too, but uh, they kept the Alan Scott. Magic separate from the Hal Jordan and company. Than the uh, actual core, yeah. Yeah, like that. It, it's two different things, and it always it always was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't remember exactly in the '90s. They kind of explained it like there was a. It's kind of an original source to them. There both. was a little intersectionality between the two. It happened in uh, Green Lantern Volume Three. Uh, I think ni- number nineteen, twenty, or twenty-one. One of those, because yeah. it was like the it was like an anniversary issue for. The concept of Green Lantern. It was right after the Mosaic storyline. They sort of explained that there was some, but you know when some there's activity. When yeah. there's a call out to the Green Lantern Corps, Alan Scott doesn't get it. You know he doesn't. You know yeah. Whether, yeah. He's whether just good like an honorary. Yeah. yeah. He's just, he's down with them, obviously, but he he's not under control of the uh, Guardians. Guardian. Speaking of whom, <laughs> yes. Since I know people, all our patrons don't know anything about Green Lantern, they're waiting for us to tell tell them everything. Uh, that would take us right to Hal Jordan. The more familiar, I think, to most of them, because you can't keep a good lantern down. And the character was reintroduced in Showcase Number Twenty Two, with a September October nineteen fifty nine cover date by John Broom and Gil Kane, with a lot of guidance by editor Julius Julius Schwartz. Uh, the new story is that Crackerjack test pilot Hal Jordan is drawn to an alien crash site, and there the red-skinned Eben Sir gives Jordan his power ring with his dying breath. Uh, after hiding the wreckage under a mountain, which is a detail I always found like crazy. Yeah. You know, just like, oh, I have a here's my brand new weapon. Let me move a mountain. You know, I just <laughs> I just think that's a lot. But I guess that you when you have the will and the fortitude, you can do it. Uh, Hal Jordan goofs off with the ring for a little while, and then he's uh, I think by the end of the first issue, right? He's contacted by the, one of the guardians of the universe. I believe so. It might be, maybe so. it's the second one or something. But it's, I it's, think it's the first issue of his series. I'm, I don't think it was the showcase issue. That's I think probably it might have been Green Lantern number one. Yeah. yeah, I think he had a couple of showcases, and that was more like him around Coast City. Was it even Coast City back then? But him, him and I don't even know. And yeah. Stuff. But yeah, but, but very early on, I know that the guardians show up uh, mm-hmm. and they tell him, you know, you are, you're, <laughs> we're your boss, and uh, as we've talked about on the on the uh, show about the cosmic treadmill, modeled after Julie Schwartz. Mm-hmm. Now you mentioned you 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 sort of have a, a fondness for uh, sci-fi. Do you know anything about the Lensman? 
For you, I, I do. You told me. Okay, this, as I yeah. hear that, so much of the uh, of the core, and I, I've never, I've never read any Lensman, you know, uh, what are they, uh, pulp novels or whatever, yeah, or whatever they are. These are all pulp stories, that, and, and Julie Schwartz definitely would have known them very well. I would imagine so. Yeah. Yeah, they even did like an anime of uh, the Lensman, uh, probably in the '80s or so, and I've never seen that either. But it's one of those things that always that I, you know, my ears always perk up. It's like I, I really need to <laughs> expose I, I, myself to that. I want to look into that. Yeah, that 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 is interesting. Although in, in a broad sense, the idea of a fighting core, the idea of a you know, it, this is kind it's of it's very tropey. It's yeah, it's, it's a lot of people yeah. have used it, but I, I would like to see the uh, the the similarity to these Lensmen. For sure. Now he's told to report to Oa, and then we learn about the whole core, you know, everything there, the battery, all that good stuff. Right. And uh, between the two uh, early lanterns here, we find out that Hal Jordan has a much catchier oath, a more familiar oath to many. In brightest day and blackest night, no evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evils might beware my power, Green Lantern's light. Yep, there it is, the old... uh... And how many times when you recite that in your head do you say in blackest day and brightest night? Oh, I'd I know say, I do it like half the time. Yeah, it, it is about it is like a flip of the coin. It really is about <laughs> half the time I, I, I interpose those. Or the, sometimes you'll just be thinking about it and you'll just forget one part of it. Like what? What is yeah. that? Uh, you know, I guess that that's why you got. That's but why those you get who uh... about evil. I don't remember. Uh, yeah, that's why you got to do the oath every twenty four hours, Chris. You can't. You know, you got to keep, keep on your toes. You got to keep keep practicing. Keep it fresh. Uh, yeah, you know, this, uh, I love, uh, Silver Age, Hal Jordan. Well, you know me, I love all Silver Age comics. Sure. Uh, a lot of them, but that's where we get characters like that, uh, God, that Mopey, right? Oh, no, that was a Flash guy. Who, who was, hmm. didn't Hal Jordan have, like, a little alien friend? That was in the Bronze Age. That, that was, was a. That was a little starfish. Oh, was, God, it was so stupid. Why? Oh, uh, yeah, because it was on – I remember it would be on his shoulder because one of the things that, ha- that happens with Hal Jordan in the Bronze Age is that he becomes kind of like a loaf. You know, yeah. he he has all these uh, all these like side jobs. Like he'll be he'll be like a long – like a long trail trucker for a while mm-hmm. and – it's just he would jump around, and I remember when he was a trucker, that uh, <laughs> that damn little uh, starfish, yeah, being on his shoulder, and I, I really I don't remember the name of it off the top of my head. But it, but it but, was uh, like this whole, it was like very much like the Martian from Flintstones type of thing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It's like brought brought him in to spice things up, but there, there are all these like, you know, he's he's always fighting a yellow pterodactyl or like. Whatever, sure. there's a yellow, there's a guy covered in daisy pollen he can't fight or something. It's all these Silver Age, like, sillinesses that, uh... I, oh, his, I, I his pal is named Itty. There we go, Itty. Oh, yeah. God, that's so good. I wonder <laughs> if they ever did... Did they ever do an Itty figure? You know, it wouldn't surprise me. That's something, that's something that should be brought to the forefront, I think. They could do a DC Direct life-size uh, Itty, just a, a little three-inch tall. There you size. go, little guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you know th- this. This I think for most would be the Green Lantern, right? Uh, yeah, for sure. I think. Sure. I, mean, I think. Well, actually, we'll, we'll get to that. But I think that would be most people's foundational Green Lantern, and this was definitely the one I saw the most of as a kid, uh, mm-hmm. all through cartoons and eventually through comics. But 
Uh, there's a fan favorite right here around the corner. And, you know, I, I might have gotten these details wrong here, Chris, so, so definitely chastise me if I'm wrong. <laughs> well, we've got uh, another lantern here. This is Guy Gardner. He first appeared in issue 59, that was March 1968, by Broom and Kane. Uh, we introduced Guy Gardner in an imaginary story where, uh, you know, he was going to— he was going to be the one to get the ring before Hal got it. Right. Um, but this imaginary story, you know, sort of came true. It was kind of willed into canon, I suppose, because he was folded into continuity, and he would become Hal Jordan's backup lantern. Yeah, I, I, my memory is, though, it isn't really, an, I think by this time they were trying to get past the quote-unquote imaginary story, or at least, mm. at least maybe Julie Schwartz was like, that's a Weisinger thing. But it, it's, like, <laughs> it, it's, like, it's presented as a what-if scenario without... Using the phrase "what if," but it's 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 positive. The first the first appearance is positive as like because he dies. So isn't that what happens at the end? Of he the dies first at the time? end. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then like, later like on, Hal's like knocked out. Well, Hal's always knocked out, but right. uh, I think he was knocked out for it. It's been a long time since I've read that. That's, one, that's but, how I can, uh, and, and unfortunately, as as I was uh, whining to people in my uh, comic stories, I, I've packed all my books. They're all they're all <laughs> packed away while I'm staging my apartments. I couldn't even like go look and find out, but. Uh, that's my memory. It's, it's he dies mm. at the end, and it's uh, that's why essentially it's an imaginary story. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know he'll uh, he'll come back as the backup later on, and uh, he'll actually almost die uh, charging his ring on a faulty battery. That's right, dude. <laughs> he's in a coma for a long time, right? That's how the, he, he's that he's up. in a coma. He's in a coma long enough for Hal Jordan to steal his girlfriend and almost marry her. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's <laughs> quite a guy. A, quite a guy that Hal. Yes, and and those stories all came between in the era that we all you know kind of call the hard traveling heroes era, which began with issue number seventy six of that volume. That's April nineteen seventy cover date, mm. and uh, that was where it was Green Lantern co starring Green Arrow, mm. and those are all those great uh, Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams, and eventually uh, Mike Grell stories uh, that would run through. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, cause it would get because it would actually get canceled. It did. Uh, it got canceled. I, th- I think the hard traveling heroes run lasted like eighteen issues or less or something. It, it wasn't very technically long. Technically speaking, yeah. it's, it's not like a landmark like hundreds of issues long thing. Sure, sure. It was very short lived and uh, got canceled. They were shunted into like the Flash uh, as a backup. And then they brought it back, but they kept the uh, the co-branding um, yeah. until until Green Lantern issue 123, where you know uh, where Ollie got the boot and Hal went back into space. So, uh, but that that was during during this time is where we you know we had Guy <laughs> fall into a coma. We had uh, we had that issue uh, you know with the. Uh, where where Hal is approached by of a fellow course. who says, you take "You've care done of the purple skins, yep. green skins. <laughs> where the black things like I don't know." And it's very, very, very deep stuff. Uh, you know, it's pretty short. For the time, yeah. The first the first time I saw this run at all, uh, and I feel I feel lucky that have seen it that way, but feel stupid for not having kept them. Was the reissue in the eighties, the prestige in the 80s. format, uh-huh. with, the, with uh-huh. the repainted covers? Yep. And uh, what was crazy though is like I didn't. I don't think I knew that it was reprints. I thought I think I thought these were new stories, which is which just goes to show how like commonly hippies still appeared in things in the early eighties. Like it, it just <laughs> wasn't it, it wasn't weird to see a hippie just in a thing. Like all right, here he is. This is a hippie. comics are usually so far behind the times in, in so far as style. Yeah. The, the like, oh, I guess they don't, they don't have flappers anymore. They finally got up to hippies. That's what, all, <laughs> uh, metalheads in the two thousand. So. Uh, but yeah, that that was a cool way for me to first really ever see this, and to to give it the lend it the gravitas. I think that at least DC wants us to give it for sure, uh, and it, it is it is worthwhile. I mean, you know, 
these are just tough. Be, yeah, you got to be prepared to be lectured to a lot. Yeah. Um, because they're not. I mean, they're they're important. They're like landmark stories for for the time and and making a superhero comic socially relevant. But uh, a lot of it is is very you know condescending. It's this is why. Like, I, yeah. I assume this is why it didn't last that long because. Teenagers at the time, twenty somethings, mm. whatever, they're reading Marvel. Uh, sure, they're not. You know, these are these aren't like morons. You know, they can tell mm-hmm. when like these things are so. And we're going to talk about an issue that was my favorite in a minute. That uh, that's so heavy handed. It's 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 on uh, on the edge of being ludicrous. But uh, <laughs> matter of fact, it's totally ludicrous. But it, that's probably why I like it so much. Uh, just briefly for now. Uh, I want to bring up that John Stewart showed up in the run 80, issue 87. That was December 1971 to January 1972 cover date. Uh, introduced the African American Green Lantern surrogate, John Stewart. He's an architect at this point. I don't, I don't know if he still is. I know he's a, a Marine. I he was I, an architect into the into, at least into the 80s and 90s. I don't yeah. know what his uh, post Flashpoint. At, one, at one point, he was an architect and a Marine. And yeah, I, th- yeah. I think now the architect has gone away. <laughs> uh, and and back then, especially, he was very pro-black in keeping with the times. He wouldn't wear a mask uh, because mm-hmm. he wanted everyone to know what he was about. And uh, but I remember that first story. It's like he's doing things against a uh, crappy racist politician, mm-hmm. but. I can't remember the details of the story because it's been a little minute, but 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 it's not because this the guy's racist. Like there's, there's he's more. like an alien, right? He's like an evil. That's alien right. There's or some some something like that. You know what I mean? And it's like there's more to it. Uh, they always played very interestingly like that. And maybe maybe you know in a broad political sense, maybe not uh, the way say like uh, you know pro black people might have liked. But well, it kind of misses the point of like because uh, yeah. I think like it, it, we're, we're grounding Green Lantern here, you know, we're making him about the everyman. We're, it's street level, and it's like he'll run up against like a tenement, an evil tenement owner, and instead of the tenement owner just being an asshole, yeah. he's an evil he's an alien. alien. Yeah, that's it's, the thing. Yeah, it misses the point. It, it, and, and, and it kind of makes it palatable, I think, for for audiences that would be you know maybe. Sh- Stunned Hesitant, by the content, yeah. uh, and I, I don't doubt that was part of it. I mean, you know, this is people fumbling through the issues of the day, just like anyone else does, you know, with the, every mm-hmm. day. So, um, I think I do believe that this was earnest attempts by them, but not quite on the mark. But actually, my favorite issue in this run, I, I wanted to point out, mm-hmm. um, which thinking about it now may be the most schmaltzy worst one. Uh, is number 89, uh, April 1972 cover date. The title is, And Through Him Save a World. And this is where the ver- veritable Jesus analog, the, you yes. know, a, a man that yes. looks so like Jesus Christ. And not, come to think of it. And he, isn't he crucified on the cover? He's Well, he, and in the comic, he, he he's, yeah. he's sort of protesting at a uh, an air, a, 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 what do we call those, airport, a uh, you know, for commercial jets or some kind of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. And then the reason they're all kind of involved is, is Ferris Aircraft is like involved in the making of it, but it's not all them. It's the evil guys or someone else, obviously. And yeah. their fuel is like the most corrosive, most polluting fuel. And uh, this Jesus type wants to stop it. And, and there's a lot of back and forth. And this is probably the one where Ali and Hal have the most arguments, I think. 
uh, where they really fight against each other because Hal's very much like, no, no, you know, flying planes is always great 100% of the time. And Ollie's like, nah, man, listen to this guy. He's killing the birds and the bees and whatnot. Uh, anyway, he does, he, he crucifies himself on, in front of like the fuselage, like in front of one of those turbines. Yep. Uh, and it's a stark image. And like, like repeating the story, I do hear how stupid it is. <laughs> but I really think it was the interaction. Like, that's the one issue where really how, between that and the other one, of course, issues 85, 86, uh, August, September, October, November 1971, the snowbirds don't fly, are the ones where Hal and Ollie really. They're buttheads. Fight, yeah. So I, I, I like that. Not that I like to see them fight, but that just brings the drama to the uh, to the and, table. And the funny thing about, you know, they're, they're talking about this combustible fuel and stuff. Yeah. And then, like, Hal and Ollie jump into, like, Ollie's beater truck. Sure, yeah. <laughs> that you know it's just, like, the, there's no muffler. There's just smoke coming off this you thing. Know, that's all like, right. Come on. I drive it 10 miles an hour, though. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. <laughs> I keep it in first. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that Snowbirds and Don't Fly one, that's one of those kind of, uh, kind of those cursed chalices here because it's, because, it, you know, it fundamentally changed Roy Harper. Absolutely. Uh, it, I'm, I'm sure everybody here knows, but uh, that's where they discovered that Roy Harper was a junkie mm. and uh, has that very famous cover of, you know, my ward is a junkie. And, and I mean, he's Jewish. He's shooting up on the cover. He's shooting up on it's the crazy. cover of the book. Like, it's, that's a crazy thing to me. Like, even seeing that as a kid, I was like, whoa, holy crap. <laughs> uh, I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was like, I was like, I don't know, 10 or 11, so it was probably sure. like a big deal. But it's... Uh, the, it, it, going forward, I mean, even now we've had how many how many reboots of the DC universe have there been since 1971? Oh, five, six, seven, like that. Yeah, we're, getting, we're getting, definitely we getting up to that number now. <laughs> the one thing we keep is Speedy's a junkie. I mean, I, I, him having tales of recovery. And mm-hmm. like mentioning it, it makes sense to me. But he's sure. constantly going back. He's constantly to well. going back. And it, it's yeah. it's always as if they just got him out of like with every reboot, he just got out of rehab the day before. <laughs> it's true. And it's like, it's true. Dude. like there are people out there that are that are addicts that live that are dealing with day to day dealing they deal with, with day to day. And you know they they as comics are known to do, Chris, they have reduced it to its most base elements and made it something. It's stupid. true. So. Because I, I know a lot of people had a problem with the uh, that rise of uh, the rise of Arsenal story, where where he was where it was in the heels of uh, yeah it was in the heels of the Justice League Cry for Justice uh, miniseries where uh, Speedy or Roy's daughter Leanne is killed by Prometheus, and he relapses and he starts you know hallucinating that he's holding his daughter, but he's actually holding a dead cat. Kills and a it, cat, doesn't he? Or something like that. Well, the cat there was a dead cat in an alley, and he's uh. fighting off these guys, and he thinks he's saving his daughter, but he's actually saving this cat. And I know a lot of people have problem with that. And looking at the the image, I mean, it's 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 a funny image. It's him holding a cat, but uh, or him holding a dead cat, and just like really really intense, but. You know, having worked with addicts and for addicts, right. I mean, it's not that far off. I mean, there are reasons why J.T. Kroll won awards for that story. Sure. That there is a bit of a truth to it. But as a visual, it's very silly. And as something that just hammers home this one story that happened in 1971 and just going back to it and just beating it to death. Yeah. It's just like, okay. Can we can we can we have Roy be okay now? We can have a new, can we have a new addict? You know, right? what if we get Damian Wayne on the on the junk or something around there? there you go. know, what's that about? Go. I gotta say, I, I do think it's a rule. This not just in comics that if you haven't had a drug experience, 
don't write about that drug experience. And I, and I don't mean don't write a story with that drug, but don't, sure. don't try to, to explain or simulate what don't, it's yeah, like. Don't, don't simulate a trip. You know? <laughs> you know what I mean? If you haven't ever, because you're always going to be like, and then they hallucinated elves. And it's like, no one has ever hallucinated <laughs> elves in their lives. That's nonsense. So, uh, yeah, that, that's, uh, I mean, it's that's a very stark one. And one thing I love about that story, too, is it doesn't end... Uh, in the in a sitcom way where it's like you know what Ollie you're right you know it's more like screw you you know what I mean like yeah because Ollie kicks him out Ollie kicks and he, and 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 he he gets clean and you know Ollie's willing to take him back and he's like no I'm my no, own man yours. now you know yeah. I, I I got through this myself you want me to be my own myself you're always been a hard ass and uh, you know basically the same kind of deal you know screw you old man you know that kind of a conversation yep. <laughs> but he actually has that and it's like. You don't. You kind of don't expect that from comics. So that it was. It's True. cool. And since then, he's always been kind of the teen bad boy of the yeah. Teen Titans, right? He's been like the rough, rough sure. around the edges fellow. He's, he's the one with the ba- backwards baseball cap. Yeah, so yeah very much so. Yeah. <laughs> but when he left Ollie, he did go off to start a band called the uh, Great Frog. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. We we read about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, we'll hop into the '80s here. We're going to be jumping around the timeline a little a bit. bit here. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about a little bit about. We mentioned John Stewart, and uh, one of his most uh, important or noteworthy stories early on was uh, Cosmic Odyssey. That was uh, four issues, uh, prestige format, running from December 1988 through March 1989. Cover dates. Those are by Jim Starlin and Mike Mignola. And in that, John Stewart fails to prevent the destruction of the planet Zanshi or Zanshi. Yeah, I was saying Zanshi, but Zanshi works fine. Yeah. But uh, that's something that he dealt with. In the books, moving forward oh, for God. a very long time, um, he's still today. He still references it all the time. Does he? Yeah, okay, all the time. I've, I've fallen off with the newer stuff. I, I I've got a pile of them to read, but uh, I didn't know that that was still even in continuity. I thought, oh, yeah. uh, wow. Well, I guess we did read that bug story, so I guess Cosmic Odyssey did. <laughs> I mean, it, it may have been out of the continuity at one time. I mean, Kate, I'm sure. It's definitely in now post rebirth because I, I did review. Uh, Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern Corps, for okay. how many issues that was out, but uh, it's it's interesting though because it comes from this prestige format miniseries, which that I don't yeah. think a lot of people have read. Uh, you know, you're probably right because so, it wasn't. It's yeah. not a thin comic. It was something that was uh, probably four, three or four bucks back in 1988 mm-hmm. per issue. So. It's, yeah, I it's, not a, it's not a crisis, you know what I mean? Yep. It's not it's not one of these big sweeping events that change everything after it. So, uh, but this is part of John's character forever. Yeah. And it has that Mike Mignola art, which might have been a little bit off putting to to people who were interested <laughs> in a superhero story back in 1980. Yeah, yeah, a little, a little, you know, early on, especially, you know, he was uh, learning out his style. I think still at that time. Maybe. Sure, uh, but it was still very different from everything else. Very much see. so. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, now, John's story uh, would continue in a Green Lantern Mosaic. Now, this is an 18-issue uh, ongoing series that ran from cover dates June 1992 through November 1993. Though this story does begin in the actual Green Lantern book. This is Green Lantern Volume 3, issues 14 through 17. That was the Mosaic storyline. Uh, that was July through October 1991. And this was by Gerard Jones and Cully Hamner, plus some other people popping in and out. Yeah. And uh, this is basically John on a patchwork Oa, a patchwork mm-hmm. planet, where uh, they're just they're just taking bits and pieces from different space communities, and uh, just redeem, he redeems himself for what he did, and he brings these people together, or at least he tries to. And it is very, very trippy. I mean, yes. it is 
so far ahead of its time. You, if you look at this, you'd be surprised that there's no Vertigo uh, branding on it. It does feel it. like a Vertigo thing. It feels like a it Shade does. the Changing Man type of book or something. It does. It does. Um, it's very, very weird. But it's not. I, I always took it to be that it, it did a great job of showing what it's like to live in 360 degrees like you might in space when gravity is not a factor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's I, to me, that's like a lot of the scenes in that book are just kind of like floaty and ethereal and very much very yeah. weird. But it's that sort of like when there is no up, that's what the world is, can be like. You know what I mean? Just sort of mm-hmm. like er, everywhere at once. Um, I, I, I love this story. I know you do too. You love this story it a was, lot. Yeah. Uh, great. But especially since uh, at the time, especially I was like, awesome. John Stewart gets his redemption and and becomes mm-hmm. the leader. That you know, and and this is really why he and it ends with him becoming a guardian. Yes, he becomes a guardian of the universe. And, yeah. then, and he goes out on that. Was that the new guardians after that, or is that that's later, right? That's like, something else. That's... Yeah, that's something totally. That's <laughs> a, my man, Estranio. Uh, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, he becomes a guardian, and uh, I mean, this is why later on he becomes kind of the de facto leader of the corps. The core, sorry. Uh, he becomes a blue lantern at one time, or did I imagine that? Maybe he did. I, I think they, they did a lot of indigo. Yeah, yeah, they did a lot of color swapping. Yeah, they, did. The, they, uh, they all got in the two thousands. They all got an outfit uh, for the for the toys, <laughs> for the action features. figures. Yep. But but I mean this this is one thing. This is why when I read now when he mentions Zanshi, it annoys me because I'm like that was dealt with. You know what yeah. I mean? Not like he should be fine with it, or but like he'll still be like incapable of action because he's thinking of Zanchi. It's like no, you shouldn't be there anymore. Like he worked yeah. past that. And uh, but as you know in comics, you can never work past anything. We have to relive it over and over <laughs> forever. And uh, yeah, for the uh, we'll patrons, do it. yeah, we're gonna tell you why we will not probably never cover this on the regular podcast. And that's uh, I don't know if everyone's aware, but. Gerard Jones was convicted of uh, pedophilia. Um, don't know or want to and having, talk about having CP. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there was there were images, there were things, there were there was contact. These are things we don't really want to talk about on the podcast. No. And because we do full bi- biographies, it it would be disingenuous to gloss over it, right? I, I think so. For sure, yeah. We wouldn't um, want to leave it out, and we don't want to address it. So we I don't mean, want we're to, kind so of at an impasse. Yeah, we're leaving it there. Maybe, maybe things, maybe you know, things, attitude, something will change. I have no idea what's going. You know, uh, information will come out, and we will cover it. I, I really would love to cover the story. It's such a great story, but but, and Adam, we're still refer to the story. We're just never going to do a long form right, on right. the story. Yeah, yeah. The, sto- the story still exists. It's not like I think it has to be like you know thrown in a volcano or something. But yeah. it's because we do that bio. If we didn't do the bios, then we probably wouldn't even do the story too. But <laughs> I, I, you know, we can't we can't see doing it without giving you some biographical information. And then if we do that, we have to give you the. Uh, the dirty. The recent yeah. facts. I mean, you know, sometimes uh, Chris will say, too, we do not say certain things, but it'll never be controversial. A lot of times we le- we leave out romantic things, you know, like mm-hmm. might not mention that a guy had two wives or whatever. It's just, sure. it's just not relative to the com- It's not relevant to the comics. You no, know? It, it's an interesting little bi- biographical factoid, but right. it doesn't, it doesn't affect anything. And it might cause, it might cause you know, confusion or hard feelings. You know, that- you, we just, that's don't want to do it. Usually yeah. we'll drop something if we think it'll make it more confusing. It's like, why why go yeah. there? Uh, of course, there was the Hart Fisher one where we really tortured <laughs> over, over what to include and what not to. But that, that's that's that all part topic. of the thing, you know. It's, uh, you know, making a narrative that people want to listen to, not just 
inundating them with facts is not the is not the <laughs> object of the day. Um, and so we move past that. <laughs> but uh, but a little bit more about uh, John here. If we jump back to uh, you know to the eighties when uh, when the Green Lan- like post crisis when. Green Lantern became Green Lantern Corps mm-hmm. uh, for that twenty odd issues. They they had uh, I don't remember her name. What was the name of the uh, the reporter? Oh man, there was a yeah. Um... Well, the the whole thing was there, there was a there was a black reporter, and uh, they it's it, like they I think Engelhart wanted us to think that they were going to get together, but so they... you'd have John and this woman, and actually John wound up falling in with Kat Matui, mm-hmm. which was an awesome little swerve. I, I recently reread. Uh, or actually read a lot of that for the first time. That that part of the run, like yeah, the Gibbons Ween and into the Engelhart Staten. Yeah. But uh, I thought that was a, a wonderful little uh, character arc where, because because it was it was like moonlighting between John and this reporter. Like mm-hmm. they hated each other uh, publicly, but you knew that there was like an attraction or a feeling between the two. And I think that's what we were supposed to take away from that. It's it's subverted and, your expectations of where it was going to go. Yeah, that that is pretty. Uh... That is pretty awesome. Um, and then, of course, we know what happened to Aresia. If you listen to the Action Comics Weekly series we had, yeah, the uh, poor thing gets uh, gutted in the very first issue. So That's, that, there's that. That is, <laughs> as we say, is that. And then uh, Hal's girl becomes a model. Everything works out for everybody. <laughs> and an elf. Somehow. That's right. Somehow she gets very elven. You don't know how by oh. those ears got elven, but that's fine. Um, <laughs> There's also Emerald Twilight, which we have talked about in uh, Cosmic Treadmill, Episode 5. Is that Episode 5 or Episode the 5th? No, the 5. It's really very five. early. Right. Yeah, this was originally a, an embedded episode that we uh, that we yanked out. So, yeah, At this least. was a long time ago. Uh, this took place in Green Lantern, Volume 3, now issues 48 to 50. That was January through March 1994. Cover dates by Ron Mars and a few folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bright was in there, right? I think for a while. Uh, Bill Willingham was Willingham in there. Was uh, in here, yeah. Carol Banks, yeah. Uh, this is Hal Jordan, still crazed from Coast City's destruction. That was Fallout from Superman, Reign of Superman. Death Reign of Superman, which is Fallout from Death of Superman. Uh, becomes Parallax, the green fear, the green entity of death, or whatever the hell, <laughs> and it was kills the GL just a new costume, Yeah, I know. It didn't turn into a whole thing. It turned into a whole like whole animal. Mythology. Uh, I love this though because of the uh, continuity from Doomsday to Rain mm-hmm. to oh, this, yeah. then with Zero Hour, then mm-hmm. even after that, you know, uh, he's Spectre. Like this was just a real good time for continuous stories. You know what I mean? And like uh, letting your story, standing by your story, whether it worked or not. <laughs> oh well, yeah, under the under the threats of heat. <laughs> right. Hal's Emerald Attack Team. Uh, right. Uh, there was a there was a lot of controversy from changing, you know, the Green Lantern. I mean, because it was just him and Alan Scott. Uh, that's, and, at this time, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Alan uh, was Gardner became Warrior at this time, right? So he was yeah, he a whole was, other thing. To, yeah, because he uh, he had Sinestro's ring. He had a yellow ring at this point, and then he turned into the after uh, Bloodlines. I no, was it Bloodlines or Zero? I think it was Zero Hour. He uh, he finds out that he's got like the Voldarian or whatever the hell. That, that, Alien blood that he could build yeah. weapons out of his arm, forearms. Be really gross, gross yeah, as hell. <laughs> but uh, the thing, I, I mean, this this is a lot of what made me really like Hal Jordan was him as a bad guy because I I, I don't know I I don't see him as a full full fledged bad guy. No. You know, uh, 
because uh, we, we read through uh, the synopsis for what this was originally going to be before Gerard Jones got got removed from the book because mm-hmm. uh, his his whole uh, his first fifty issues were pretty good, but they were also kind of stagnated, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's funny we're talking about Death of Superman, me and my you know small little cloister of friends, we all decided after the death of Superman that we would stick with a DC book. Okay. You know, we would we would each stay with a you know we'd, we'd expand we'd broaden our horizons from Marvel, and uh, you know I had a buddy who decided to stay with the Superman books. I had a, a buddy who wanted to read Valor because it was a it was because it was an issue one because there was a, there was a number one out. So he wanted that. I had a buddy who wanted to do one of the, whatever the hell Lobo miniseries were coming out, <laughs> and uh, I decided I'm gonna check out Green Lantern. And I remember the first book that I was going to pick up after I made this, you know, groundbreaking decision. You know, when you're a teenager, it's like, oh, this is my decision. Yes, my def- this is my new personality yes. now. <laughs> this, is, this is my new favorite. But, uh, and it was, uh, it was Green Lantern number 36 with uh, – and the cover is like a decrepit-looking Hal Jordan – uh, on a football field fighting demons. <laughs> and I picked it up off the shelf and I was like, nope. <laughs> and I put it back. I, I mean, I was used to Hal looking a little older because I, I guess I met Hal in the comics during the uh, funeral for a friend. You know, he would okay. just be there in the background. He'd be, I, I, mean, he'd I think he had those. the white hair a little bit then. He too. did. He, yeah. had, he had the temple. He right. had the green hair uh, from volume three, number one. Right. Um, so he had the, the graying temples, but on this cover, he looked ancient. Like, he looked positively just mummified almost. He mm. was just so... It was, like, embarrassing. So I was like, nope, can't do it. <laughs> so I put it back on I the I need cover. my heroes to be heroic. Thank you very much. I mean, you could be you could be mature. Just don't be dead. Right. I mean, he looked... Oh, he looked like a corpse. But, uh... But after him, you know, turning evil here, I, I, we, we've seen the Guardians have Hal do a lot of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And this being their bridge too far was a little weird, you know? Especially reading it now, where yeah. you know everything that came before it and everything that came after. It's like, it's like the Guardians are little jerks. It turns out they're, the the, they're bigger scumbags than Hal Jordan. This yeah. is the, real, the then, real story here. And then all of a sudden, they've got this moralistic high ground where it's like, no, you can't use it for your personal gain. It's like... We're always doing this. It's Come like on, your what's whole the big thing deal now? Personal, I mean, now to be honest, that's also a well that they have uh, supped from a little too frequently. It's the old, true. the old Guardians' uh, ulterior yeah, motives. Exactly, but but, uh, yeah. but I like that Hal's. Uh, despite of everything that he did, it's it's almost like a a gray area where it's like, I mean, today you could probably wipe it away with some sort of post traumatic stress, but uh, it just seems like uh, it seems like the, he didn't actually cross that bridge until. He until he barbecues Kilowog, basically. That really well. I mean, you know, to me, Coast uh, destroying Coast City is a crime of passion, and then he wanted to get something done, and uh, you know, dudes were standing in his way. Man, you know what I mean? There you, like, go. <laughs> that's, you know what I mean? He's got to, he had things to do. No, but to me, I always saw him as snapping out. Although I'll tell you, going over that uh, Action Comics Weekly uh, Hal Jordan stories. Does frame this out a little differently that this is sort of more of a long term yeah, bu- yeah. building psychosis long, with him. You building. Know? Yep. But to me, his redemption uh, and really what probably one of his best ever character moments ever is Zero Hour. Uh, you know, he goes through his whole thing and you see that he, he has a desire to put things right. He just, his mind mm-hmm. is twisted. And what that is, is 
wrong. Because <laughs> he, he, he's, he's coming across as an altruist throughout yes. that. He's Because uh, you have, like, the time-lost heroes. You have, uh, like, a Barbara Gordon who can walk, and he's like, I can give you your world. Right. You know, and then he goes to, uh, to what was it, the, uh, oh, man, the Alpha Centurion, you know, the stand-in for Superman. He's like, I can give you a world, too. Yeah. And, and like, all these ideas, like, we could have a new multiverse devised by a, an altruistic Hal Jordan, and I think that's really, really such a neat way to put it. Um, you know, of course, the heroes win the day, and then they decide to do their own yeah, big thing, but, uh, you know. which kind of <laughs> which kind of feels like they're doing exactly what Hal was going to do. Yeah. But uh, I, I do love that it, it wasn't... The heroes might have seen Hal as a full-fledged bad guy, but in reading it, it's like you almost can... You you can almost kind of sympathize. Oh, he's him. he's much more nuanced than that, yeah. And you Absolutely. see you see him as someone Absolutely. that sees he's done something wrong. You know what I mean? He knows he, and he knows wants to make good. And yeah. He wants to make good. Now the way you know that way he does it is a little comic booky. But hey, look what you're yeah. So because <laughs> then he also uh, he'll also a few years later he'll he'll sacrifice himself to reignite the sun or That's to get true. rid of the sun eater in uh, the final night, and uh, and then he'll wind up dead for a little while and. He'll wind up becoming the Spectre during Day of Judgment, which yeah. was a, that was Jeff Johns's first DC event, was it which really? is kind of funny. Yeah, we, a, we, we gotta do that one time. Even though I hate it, uh, it's should, boring as hell. We, have to, we should do it because it really it really does set the stage for a lot it of does. things. Really uh, we'll we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah, but he's not the uh, only uh, lantern we're gonna talk about. We have another one who took his place, and that would be Kyle Rayner. That was in his first appearance was Green Lantern Volume Three Number Forty Eight, January nineteen ninety four. He was a civilian just hanging out with his girlfriend. Uh, I think having like a an, a picnic late night dinner or something, uh, seeing a green comet go overhead, which was Hal heading back to Oa, uh, and then he became a Green Lantern in Green Lantern Volume Three Number Fifty. It was March nineteen ninety four, created by Brian Mars with Daryl Banks, and we covered his first outing in Green Lantern Volume Three Number Fifty One back in Cosmic Treadmill Episode Number Thirty Nine, mm-hmm. which was a uh, V. Ken Marion request. Oh, so, cool. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. Now, for a time, he was the only Green Lantern because Hal got rid of the core. Yep. And uh, there was one ring left, and it went to uh, they went to a random Nine Inch Nails fan. So uh, <laughs> that was Kyle. And uh, a lot of people know that Kyle is the one whose uh, whose girlfriend was uh, thrown in a refrigerator. Which uh, set off a whole uh, a whole nomenclature for yeah, certain well, kinds that, of that's deaths. where we get the uh, fridged or that a girl is fridged. I mean, it's not wrong in this case. This is definitely it's, it's, definitely yeah, a character literal. used to create <laughs> uh, character for for Kyle Rayner. But uh, you know, it's uh, it is what it is. What she's around for like three or four issues, I think, uh, a total. I think she goes in fifty four or fifty five or something yeah. like that. Yeah, she, she goes pretty early, but. Uh, I, you know, Hal, Kyle was my lantern yeah. growing up because, uh, you know, Hal was, uh, it, you know, Hal gets this uh, kind of stigma of being boring. Like people like, it, like it's like kind of like a drive-by comment where it's like, ah, he's boring. And it's like, well, explain that. No, no, I don't have to. He's boring. Right, right. It's like, no, 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 explain it. And no one can. But uh, it's, you know, Kyle was, you know, the younger. He was like the artist mm-hmm. who uh, wore the leather jacket and was immediately with Donna Troy and with Jade and with, like, every every chick in the DC universe for a little while. Um, he was just presented as cooler, and he was also a really great point-of-view character, which uh, and, and his creation kind of gave Wally West the promotion from being the new guy. Right. That's so Wally, true. Yeah, Cuz Wally could be somewhat he's a veteran in comparison for sure, 
but uh, now now he's not you know the kid on the team anymore. So uh, Kyle took the role of the you know the inexperienced kid who needed who needed to learn the ropes. And I mean, he was even on the Titans for a little while uh, when he was getting his footing. So I, I think he might be on the Titans right now, believe it or not. I think he I think he's uh, in the tail end of the Abnet uh, volume. I think he's there now. Yeah. I saw I saw him in the book. I don't know if he joined. He's but, just uh, like, what the hell am I doing here? You know. <laughs> um, now, now, you know, you're the first, you're, you're the person that made me realize, only because I really had not thought to look into it, but hmm. by this time, as as I've talked about, I was more or less not buying comics, certainly wasn't buying Mid-90s, Green, yeah. Yeah, Green Lantern comics, and when they came out with Kyle Rayner, I'd already, like, thought that it was a travesty to eliminate Barry Allen. Uh, <laughs> and when they came out, I was like, not my lantern, you know? And, and it's not my lantern, you know, whatever, uh, although I've come to like the character a lot more. Now, but only by reading old stories because they barely write for him at all now. But that's yeah. uh, that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but this worked for you, you know what I mean? And so did yeah. Wally West and a whole generation of people. And it made me realize that the legacy characters work, they just wouldn't stick with them. They just don't yeah. stick the landing. And, st- and, like, no matter how many complaints you get, how many, you know, you just stick with it. And you have a sensible generational, you know, handoff of. These yep. properties, uh, and it worked. And you know those those original books, uh, original issues. I now have gone back to get the trades. Uh, shout out to Luke Hollywood, a huge Kyle Rayner fan out there, always putting mm-hmm. them out on the lists. Um, and they're good. They're good stories. You know, this is solid Green Lantern stuff that I was dismissive of because I was very smart back then, as we all are in our twenties. <laughs> Uh, and Ron Mars is a, he's a hell of a writer this Ron Mars yeah. uh, and and the funny thing is is he is during the 90s he'd be written off as this guy who hated Hal Jordan and just like and it was like just like the pariah for Hal Jordan and every time Mars would do a story with Green with 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 Greenlander with Hal in it uh he treated him with so much respect yeah and uh you could tell that there was an admiration there and he, and he really because he'd come back, he came like time displaced. He came back, and uh, and he also, you know, he was back as the Spectre, and he would also show up to, you know, talk to Kyle every now and again. And and he was there was such a respect and a regard between the two characters. It was really such a such a great time that we're never gonna ever be able to go back to. No, but, because uh, they brought Hal back here. <laughs> <laughs> because because God only knows what anything even is anymore. Was Hal even the Spectre? Was Hal Paradise? Oh, you're right. Yeah, I didn't Who know, even knows? I don't know how much of that is true, how much isn't. I, yeah. don't think, I think the Spectre part may not be true, but maybe the Parallax is. Because Par- Parallax, the, the entity is around, so right. I guess it stands to reason, but we don't know if Coast City, well, Coast City was destroyed, right? I believe yeah. it was. I believe it was. <laughs> I'm not positive, but <laughs> I, I really that, yeah. think it was. Couldn't tell you. Couldn't uh, tell you. I don't know if that meant he killed the core, though. I'm not sure if that happened. So. Exactly. We but, don't um, know, but yeah, well, it, it's a, a and, good guy, a GGTK. That Kyle Rayner, I'll say he was, and 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 his uh, he would his stories would eventually get taken over by Judd Winnick, who's a guy I run very hot and very cold with. Mm-hmm. And uh, Judd Winnick has soapboxes. He's very uh, he's very political. He's very social uh, socially minded. And uh, something that I wrote off from Judd Winnick because a lot of his stuff is very heavy handed and unsubtle. But uh, he did handle a few issues of Green Lantern dealing with uh, Kyle's assistant, a kid named Terry Berg. Oh, right, right. Uh, yeah, it was a, a, a gay teenager who uh, kind of had the hots for Kyle off the, you know, initially. Because 
when Judd Winnick wrote the book, everybody in the book had hots for had the hots for Kyle Rayner. Well, people walking down the street, oh look at that guy. He he goes into an office. Three guys and three girls are like, whoa, look at that guy. He is so, kind of he is kind of a hunk. It's supposed to be. He, real. he is a dreamboat. Yeah. He is a dreamboat. But uh, I, it was a uh, you know I don't know. If, if, I feel I feel if the stories that Winnick wrote for Green Lantern were a Marvel comic. They would have gotten a lot more press than they did. Right. But, uh, I mean, he wrote a wonderful story where where Terry Berg comes out to Kyle. And uh, one of the most uh, subtle uses of, of a gay character that I, that I can think of in the past, uh, you know, 20 years. Uh, really, really good. And then they also had a two-issue arc where Terry got beat up. And uh, he, got, he got beat up real bad. And just, uh, just how Kyle processed this beating. And it was really... Uh, I think it really did a uh, did this the serious situation uh, a service. Uh, I think uh, if you go back and check those out, they still stand up now. And uh, it, I, it's interesting how we have uh, you know the Hal Jordan stories kind of went socially relevant, and then you know over 20 years later, his successor stories start going socially relevant. I, I, I think there's it's a neat little uh, uh, thing there. I mean, this, you know, the stories like this character lends itself to that because you can have uh, kind of more open villain of the week type of thing, situation. Uh, I know yeah. Kyle Rayner wasn't so much for the space, although there was a little space action. But when yeah, you, he became Ion and all that. Right, stuff. that's right. Later on, of course, and then we'll, we'll get into it. They all they all become space all the time. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, but when you have that, you can bring in. Aliens, you can bring in new characters that can be, you know, allegorical for whatever you want to be, really. So sure. it lends itself to that kind of thing. But you know, it's it's the difference between a character announcing that they're gay in the introduction, and or a character existing in a world and being gay. I think is the difference that we're saying here. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's you know, it's it's uh, I don't know, it's two ways of, of doing the, the same kind of thing, I guess. But uh, yeah, you know, this Kyle Rayner run, I say. For those old farts like me, <laughs> who are ready to discount it, eh, you'll probably be right if you don't read it. But if you have nothing to do, go ahead and go back and check go it out. Go ahead and grab some. Some it's pretty good. Some of it's interchangeable. Some of it's really, really good. Uh, and like I mentioned, you know, Kyle did have a uh, you know romantic uh, deal with Donna Troy and Jade. Uh, there's a there was a day actually a day of judgment tie-in where uh, there's kind of a fight over Kyle and, and it's uh, very entertaining and very well done. Um, now Kyle's time didn't last forever. No, because because uh, Jeff Johns wanted to bring the old guy back. So we have Green Lantern Rebirth. That was a six-issue miniseries cover dated December 2004 through May 2005 by Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Sciver. And during which time, uh, Hal is no longer the Spectre. He becomes Green Lantern again and just mm-hmm. uh, returns to life. He returns to uh, the land of the living. And uh, I, I like the way they. Is I, I recently reread a lot of the early stuff from this, uh, from the from the run proper. Mm. And uh, the way they write off Hal's reappearance is that after Coast City was destroyed, he just went on the road. Oh, there which you go. Is so simple. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not overly complicated, and, it, and I mean, it's something you could just uh, you could just accept. You, like, can, okay, you can well, picture him doing it. You know, he already did a hard traveling hero. Sure, that's his thing. And he, he, yeah, and he did it at the beginning of the uh, Gerard Jones run. He was just on the road. Yeah, he was just like, I'm a rambling man. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, that's, I, it's been a while since I read that, but I do know that uh, I remember not feeling angry when I read Green Lantern Rebirth because I was, it wasn't 
you know, shoehorned in. It wasn't uh, crammed in badly. It was good stuff. It yeah. was really good stuff here. And, uh, you know, this began Jeff Johns' long tenure with uh, with the character. Uh Hal kind of became a little too cool for school for me here. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, this was this was like my first big bites of Hal Jordan were here, you know. So right, right. in going back and seeing that he was kind of a goof. I mean, we started Action Comics Weekly with him couching it. Right, right. John and Katniss place, you <laughs> yeah. know. But uh, this is just a, a, a much cooler uh, Hal. He's kind of, you know, Fonzie here. But he's almost, yeah. He's, yeah, almost, you know, unassailable. You know what I mean? Like, it's, exactly. It's powerful. It's like uh, over the top. And too confident. And, and, and I get that the confidence and the willpower and all that good stuff. But uh, and they also retold his origin here. Which, I mean, now, uh, now we've got a Hal Jordan that is so confident and full of will that he's created his own ring out of his own willpower. His that, own willpower. That's the continuity now, and it's like... And like he they, created they, his own hammer, his own his own anvil, and like, his own just, ring. Just, just make a car. Dude, <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Uh, you know, and, and like, and there's a whole thing now when you, you're, if your willpower reaches 100, you can go past that. Oh, and, and Hal Jordan's routinely reaches, you know, three to 400%, of course. He's got, <laughs> he's got more willpower than he got. He's... Filled to the brim with willpower. That's what it is. <laughs> but uh, we have a. Uh, if we jump like, I don't remember which came first. I think the Sinestro Corps War came first. I think that was like around issue twenty, mm. because when 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 Johns took over, we also got the Corps back. Right. So we had uh, you know Kilowog was somehow back. Um, Sinestro was back. Uh, I think Tomar Rees' son was there. Uh, That's what it was. Kyle, Guy, John. Because uh, I mean John. John had lost his legs. John Stewart, he had lost his legs in a Dark Stars mission, so he was off the table as a lantern uh, until you know until he came back. And uh, Guy was uh, was like an old retiree. He owned the Gardeners, I mean the Warriors Bar and Grill or whatever, and he, he was. Oh bless you. Sorry, sorry about that. <laughs> he was depicted as like an older guy. Yes. You know, and now he's he's back as a you know young virile lantern, so a lot of the generational aspect was kind of squished. It, it got fuzzy, it... you know. Yeah, we've we've kind of went the John John Stewart did join up with the Dark Stars after Mosaic, I guess, right? Really after. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was a time. yeah. Dark Stars was kind of a depository, yeah. like because Donna Troy Donna wound Troy up in there, there. She gave up her powers. It was very very weird stuff. But uh, they uh, Johns would retell uh, Hal's origin. Which uh, was kind of at odds with Emerald Dawn, which was the Gerard Jones, and I think uh, Keith Giffen had something to do with that as well. But uh, that's the story where Hal's origin is tweaked to include a DUI, right? <laughs> you know, where he's uh, he gets drunk after a fight with Carol and gets into an accident and gets arrested, which is where he spends the entirety of Emerald Dawn too. He's in jail and sneaking out every night to be Green Lantern. But uh, they they fixed that or or changed it, changed depending it. on your stance there yeah. uh, with uh, the Jeff Johns one. It's very similar otherwise, but it also would bring John Stewart into Hal's origin, where they have like a bar fight early on before oh, right, you hear right, the right. heroes. Yeah. It's interesting stuff. But uh, that whole run was kind of building up to something called Blackest Night, which I'm sure we're going to talk about at length at some point. Yes, I would like to. Yes, and uh, and that beget Brightest Day, which ran for a year. Uh, Blackest Night was June 2009 through May 2010. Brightest Day ran from May 2010 to May 2011, and kind of kind of fell flat. Um, you, well, you kinda, did a whole thing on your site, uh, really diving yeah. into this, which I, I really recommend for people. Uh, Chris pretty much, I think, 
definitely provides some uh, great arguments as to why he thinks this uh, this thing the, was cut short. Uh, yeah, it, it was meant to be one thing. It became something else when the new Fifty Two was on the horizon. For sure. Uh, yeah, it was a- so yeah, definitely good. something. Definitely a shoe dropped at some point for sure. Check that, and you actually pinpoint the moment you think that happens. So it's uh, that's the place to look at that. Uh, but all of these things. One, one thing I liked about these events, uh, they really were evented out in a way that I like, which is to have, uh, you know, like the Sinestro Core War had tales of the Sinestro Core, right? Mm-hmm. Side things had these other side minis. There was a Weaponer of Quard was in there, I think. Uh, I think so. All these cool little. Side stories that you don't need and truly don't need, not like they say you don't need and they lie, but actually, <laughs> actually don't need. But they color in so much of it, like especially the Sinestro Tales of the Sinestro Corps has some of the creepiest, it's almost like horror books. It's the way mm-hmm. Sinestro Corps gets down, and it's like if you want to get into that, which is like my my bread and butter, uh, it's in there. Blackest Night, too. God, it, it's oh, there's so many, so many titles yeah. tied into that. Uh, Brightest oh, yeah. Day, fewer for uh, reasons that. We think that you you have uncovered, uh, but yeah, it's these are really satisfying events. Uh, oh, they are in a big they way are. where it's like it's a big chunky event where you feel like a lot of moving pieces, but none of it is really wasted. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of reminds me also No Man's Land is like that. You know, I know we're getting sure. a off track, but sure. it's another one where it's like yeah, there's a lot of world building, there's a lot of instances that are just character development, but they are developing characters in important ways. Oh, so, I mean, they, he brought the Anti Monitor in as a member of the Sinestro that's Corps. That's right. That I was mean, so that's cool. wild. That was cool. So, <laughs> Cyborg uh, Superman was there. Superboy Prime was there. It was just, just a murderous row of villains to of, take down. Of, of like villains and recent and villains that he had, you know, handled uh, quite a bit for at sure. Point because he had the Infinite sure. Crisis and all that. So, uh, th- those are all cool. Blackest Night has one, if not two, massive omnibuses. Oh, I'm uh, sure. So if you if you want to break your knees reading it, that's the way to do it. <laughs> but uh, that that more or less takes us into the new Fifty Two, and we're gonna we're gonna be kind of quick here because mm. uh, I think you know we still need distance from this to speak about it. But I, I did want to. I uh, first of all, this is where Jeff Johns ends his run uh, on the Green Lantern with issue twenty, I believe is his last one. Nineteen or twenty, yeah. Nineteen, and and it's a pretty cool issue where it actually like foretells a bunch of stuff that. They ended up not really dealing with some of it and dealing with other things, but uh, it really is a, it's a good and well deserved thing. It's it's uh, there's a little snap ending at the thing. It's, it's I, I remember parts of it, so that tells you it has to be somewhat good. But Decent. yeah, but really, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna say, Green Lanterns and the New Fifty Two was very problematic. Really, the problem to me. Have you gone back and read those yet, Chris? I know you. Yeah, they. They might as well have. They might as well have continued right after before Flashpoint. They didn't change. Well, that was one thing. They really didn't change the status quo. I mean, one day we will speak of the new Fifty Two. I don't know if it's yes. going to be on Comics Talk or. <laughs> but what we've always said is that when they started that, you know, the theory was well, at least they can streamline the Green Lanterns, the Robins. The, you know, there won't sure. be. They didn't. They, they, they uh, you know, they, they had all the same guys, and they actually created more Green Lanterns on top of that, which is like, why? This doesn't make any sense. Uh, so, yeah, the hope was that they were going to do that, but they didn't. Uh, but also then they just kept crossing over. Like, they were so happy with this ability to cross over, they would never stop and never allow a story to, like, gain any momentum in any one of the titles. 
That's uh, a very good point. They had the new Guardians thing in there, and I was like, Lights eh. out. Uh, was it the oh, first God. Lantern, the Wrath of the Third Lantern, all that stuff? Yeah, there was there was the the, the third the Godhead, Lantern, and then yeah. there was uh, something after it that was almost the same story. Like basically, I can't remember. It was a uh, uh, relic, right? The big relic yeah. guy. Mm-hmm. It was almost the same story twice. Really, it was the same kind of thing, and I was like, eh. It's really like like just because you can cross over, just because the editors, it's like basically the same editorial staff, does not yeah. mean that you should. Uh, and to me, the, the bright point of that whole new Fifty Two, uh, really, I got to say, the only thing I've kept except for the end of Jeff Johns, you know, his last issues, is uh, Charles Soule's Red Lanterns, where okay. he he did a biker thing where he turned Guy Gardner into kind of a biker. Uh, handlebar mustache. I didn't give him a mustache, yeah. and he threw out Atrocitus, you know, the uh, crazy. I threw out a lot of the magic, the blood magic nonsense. It never made any damn okay. sense anyway. Yeah. And it was, and, and made them good guys, but, you know, with this rage, like, made it so they controlled their rage for a force of good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put this on the top five comics in history, but mm-hmm. definitely put against everything else I remember from the New 52. This is the, the standout thing for sure. Uh, really interesting, really made me like uh, all those characters on the Red Lanterns in a way that I hadn't really given them a second thought. I used to think Blees had the stupidest character design. <laughs> and, I, and I still do. You know, bat ears, like, come on, dude. Uh, and I still do, <laughs> but, you know, I, I came to enjoy her as a character, and, and uh, that was good. And I, I got to say, when Charles Soule did that, and he did Swamp Thing, which is one of my very favorite runs, that one I do put on very high esteem. Mm-hmm. And he went to Marvel, and I was like, wow, he's going to write Daredevil. This is going to be the perfect, <laughs> perfect book, right? This is a lawyer, one of the Oops. best writers in comics, but <laughs> it's the, the only one of Daredevil I haven't collected because it's so boring. It's unbelievable. I don't know what happened. It's, it's, like, it's like you can't – money gets in the equation. It ruins everything, right? I don't know what it it's is. It's true. Very, very true. I, I The thing I can remember about the New 52 was being uh, – actually, it was after they stopped branding it as the New 52, but it was the same volume. Yeah. They were building up to this epic confrontation between Hal and the Convergence from um, – um, and the Parallax from Convergence. Right, right. And it, it, it was just – it was just nothing. Yeah, in the end, they, they didn't have Like, it. they fought in, like, like his brother's backyard for, like, five minutes. Like, what am I – what? Yeah, that <laughs> so was all. bad. They were like, I'm going to take off my rings, and when I do, I'm going to kick your ass. No, it was – it was they did not stick the landing because no. – you know, it's funny, similar thing to Brightest Day is yep. they were already looking at the next relaunch, the next, you know, marketing yeah. initiative, which would have been Rebirth. So it's uh, – no, that would have been DCU, wouldn't it? Uh, this was during DC Wild, yeah. Okay. This because because uh, Hal was the renegade at That's first, right. and then he uh, then he was hanging around with his brother, and then his 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 nephew got like abducted at a at like a pierside uh, amusement park or something. I, I, the DC Wild is a perfect example of the problem with the Green Lantern office, let's say, because mm-hmm. what was what was supposed to happen during DC Wild is that. Uh, Hal Jordan stole Cronus's glove in order to cover for something. I can't remember the why, right? Yeah. But he yeah. that's why that's why so he was a renegade. And he had like one captive and like a, a co-pilot and like a living ship, right? It was it was to take the heat off of the core for some somehow, that's what I recall. Yeah. Uh so he was going to be a renegade. He was going to be hunted across the galaxy by the Green Lantern Corps. Everyone was like, "Oh, this will be oh man, this is dope. Hal Jordan is Han Solo type whatever like Basically. Yeah. Like uh but then in the Green Lantern Corps book, something happened where they all got shunted behind the source wall. They got sent outside. So, so he wasn't. There was no reason for him to run anymore. I was like, well, 
did you guys even have a lunch to talk about what you were planning? That's right. You know, it's like it's like oh, we, you know, here's Al Capone running from the cops, but then the cops all went on vacation. They all went home. You know, and then when that ended, what happened? They came back. There really has never been an explanation. They, you know, they 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 found the doorknob and they opened it up. Um, speaking of speaking of those two new lanterns, I feel like yeah. we would be remiss not to mention them. Although I think we're both clearly not; these aren't our core lanterns. Uh, Simon Boz Baz first came out on the uh, New Fifty Two Free Comic Book Day Special Edition Number One. Remember when they used to do those? Uh, May May twenty twelve, cover date by Jeff Johns and Doug Mankey. This is a Muslim American GL who is suspected of terrorism and carries a gun. And I wish I could say that all those things together make a very interesting character, but they have not. Uh, and he actually dropped his gun now. He did uh, now after that recently. run in with Batman. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, uh, if you wanna if you wanna check out his earlier appearances without the freebie, if you can't get your hands on it, what was it? It was Green Lantern number zero. Yes, yes. Where he uh, showed up. So he, he showed up Green Lantern zero, and I'm almost positive when you get whatever collection he appears in, you get you'll get the free comic book. You'll get there. the freebie. Yeah. Uh, so also, I think you can get it for free on Comicsology if you're so inclined. But uh-huh. yeah, I mean, this this is a case where it's like, wow. Rip from the headlines. Here we can see something, and like it never really took. Yeah. Like, like the aspect of having a gun is very interesting. He never used it. Never really, or rarely used it. You know, not never, but so rarely, so that many times I forgot that was a thing. You know what I mean? Not like I want him to use it, but I, I want him to deal with it. You know, and he didn't yeah. for a long time. You know, until very recently with the Batman. Uh, yeah. But a character I do like more, and I think you can probably guess why if you think about it, is Jessica Cruz. <laughs> uh, not because she's a girl. That's not. That's, <laughs> that's uh, civilian appearance in uh, Justice League number thirty. That was July twenty fourteen. Covered eight by Jeff Johns, Ivan Rice, and Doug Menke. Uh, the other character is co-created by Ethan Van Skyver. First proper appearance in the in the duds was Justice League thirty one. Right after the end of Forever Evil, and this is an anxious woman who inherits power rings, power ring, and is beholden <laughs> to Volthoom for a while. And she also witnessed a mur- like murders. That's why she's like. A agoraphobe, and you yeah. know why? Why do you think I like her more? Huh? It's not because she's a woman. Uh, because you like power ring. That is exactly right. Because she has a connection <laughs> to the crime syndicate the crime of America, syndicate. and any connection to that group, I am all for it. And and <laughs> again, though, I do think a lot of this was a missed opportunity because Jeff Johns made it so that Volthoom was kind of an evil entity. He was like a jerk. Yeah, yeah. and he was like he was like bullying power ring. Bullying he was, her. Yeah. He was doing that initially with uh, Jessica Cruz also. And, like, there was this whole thing where Volthoom was then said to be the first lantern. There was a story really coalescing that seemed interesting. And then it just ended. Yeah. You know, they were, I forget, I forget exactly what happened, but they basically, like, repaired her ring. Now it's fine. Now she's just annoyed. Yeah, it's been no different, really. It's, but it talks. That, no, her, her ring it talks does talk, to her. That's, yeah. that's the difference. It has, like, it has, like, a conversational attitude with her, uh, yeah. which is, you know, here nor there. But the fact that it's power rings, power ring. Is the thing I like the best. Yes. Uh, now, now, what she's in the uh, Justice League Odyssey now. Yes, right? which is getting rebooted. Chris, did you hear about what? this? What? What? <laughs> it's getting rebooted, dude. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't think it's gonna have a new number one. They're gonna do a creative team though, and they're gonna basically 
reset. Oh. It's such a mess, man. I couldn't. It's not. It's not very good. If you it's, asked it's... me what's happening, I couldn't tell you. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> something about they're at the source wall for something. I don't know what's going on. Always at the damn source wall. <laughs> I know they they gotta stop with the source wall, but uh, yeah, she's in that book. I liked her book with uh, Baz. Simon. Uh, mm. Yeah, uh, with Simon Baz. Uh, that was Green Lanterns, right? Yes. Not all yes. of it. I would say more than half, which is pretty good. Hmm. Uh, I in and out. I, I and it seemed like every time I would, I dipped in, she'd be dealing with anxiety, and it's like they do know that that's treatable, right? Well, now, for, to their credit, she overcame it through the through that series. It didn't okay. ha- it didn't happen as rapidly as we would have liked, especially since if you re- if you recall, that was a, an era of double shipping. Yes, true. So it took for freaking ever, and it was definitely issue after issue of. Don't forget, I have anxiety, or I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't do this. and like can't Simon Baz yeah. was trying to teach her to make constructs. She couldn't. She had anxiety, and it was like, come on, just take your take your Paxil and relax. But yeah. uh, she does overcome it and become a, you know, regular casting Green Lantern. That just happens to mention it like you know two of three times, but that is again <laughs> comic books. That's the same thing with John Stewart and Zanchi. It's like yeah, and Roy Harper's heroin addiction. Exactly, you know the people. The people <laughs> of Zanchi have forgiven you. Don't worry about it. You know, uh, they're long gone. So it's uh, it, I liked her there. Uh, yeah, but but because uh, they started building her character, and I like I liked her interaction with Simon. But they they've never done. Much for that, Simon Baz. I feel like they just haven't. Has he? Has he even come? Been around since the cancellation of uh, Green Lanterns? You know, I don't believe so. I think he did explain that he was going to take some time off. He was going to go away at okay. the end of Green Lanterns. He was. He had to, again. He had to go back to his home planet. And P.S. His his, <laughs> his spaceship exploded. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of back and forth with him and his brother. I I, I just. His story was never fleshed out in a way that I really could could latch on to. Gotcha. And uh, as much as I think there are too many Earthborn Green Lanterns to the point of being ludicrous now. I mean, now is there a new one in Young Justice, Teen Lantern? Teen Lantern. Yeah, I don't know what planet they're from. They might be from Earthworld. I know. Like, they might that. be from Gemworld. I, I, I don't it's know. It's true. It's true. So we, we don't know that yet. But I, I feel like it's just like it's a Green Lantern a day over, uh, coming out of Earth. So it's getting to For be... Sure. A little silly, and this is, goes back to they should have they should have passed it down. This this could have been a passing from Kyle Rayner to Jessica Cor to Simon Baz. Sure, would have made a lot more sense. But uh, now we have the Green Lantern, which is which is the Hal Jordan solo. Finally, it's a Hal Jordan solo. Although I'm telling you, it really is a Green Lantern core book. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. With but but where Green Lantern core. Actually, kind of focused a little, a lot of times more on John Stewart, but really was more of a everybody book. This is definitely Hal Jordan centered, mm-hmm. but but they show you that there's a larger. The problem with the Green Lantern core book before this is it was mm-hmm. about those four, the four original guys, the uh, the core four. Kyle, call them Kyle, Kyle Guy, Hal, yeah. John, and Guy. It was about them. There were other, you know, the other characters would be there, but they were background. They were just, you mm-hmm. know, they existed there just to also fire weapons and. Never did anything, uh, you know. Kilowog would would the main guys would be important, but sure, sure. Uh, now Grant Morrison really is throwing in a lot of like funny looking aliens, uh, <laughs> and that's a lot of the stuff I like. A lot of a lot of references and allusions to to cultures uh, mm-hmm. that aren't fleshed out, but you kind of get the idea that there's a bigger story here. But okay. of course, it's driving Jim and Eric crazy. 
<laughs> I'm holding off on like I, I want to have a nice little chunk of that to read at first because I I tried reading the first issue and I'm like I'm like I'm going to need more. So I would I, I would wait. I would wait for six. But I gotta say I think I think you could. I know you you are someone that you can enjoy Grant Morrison for sure. And, oh, for sure. For uh, sure. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it, uh, I might be right there with you when six are done. But it's hmm. essentially the first six. It's a world building thing where it's like a, a we'll call it like a villain of the week. Okay. You know what I mean? And that's why there's a little disjointedness, but I bet together mm-hmm. it'll gonna, flow. They'll flow a little better, but we'll we'll find out when that uh mm-hmm. time will tell. Time will tell, as they say. <laughs> so that's coming out, but I'm digging it. I think Liam Sharp's art is a little busy on it. Okay. But uh sometimes guys they need, they need a few issues to get there. Get their foot in. Groove, you know, yeah, whatever it is. So I'm hope, I'm hoping for big things from that because Green Lantern has been nigh unreadable, as far as I'm concerned, for quite a while, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying right now, that Green Lantern core? Wow, what a book that did nothing at all for, like, th- three years. Yep. Unbelievable. It was like, did nothing. It was like, what is happening? You know? I mean, the whole, the whole first arc of it is, like, the Green Lantern core comes back from the source wall, and then they just hang back for four issues. That's it. Why? Why? Yeah. Go, go, go to the fight. Go to the people. No, exactly. we, we don't know. People are still mad at us. We got to hang back. What is wrong with you? Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I obviously could go on and get more angry about it, but uh, uh, you know, we like talking Green Lantern. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll we'll talk more stuff. There's stuff I I forgotten the uh, Dark Star stuff, and about when I really get into it, we could uh, really start. Uh, I mean, Guy Gardner, I could do a whole thing on too. I oh, think. I love his yeah, character. for sure. For he's, sure. Uh, he's a great time. Did we do that Warriors together? Or was that just your blog? We did. We did that we did. one. The, uh, yep, the, that's an early that's a that's an early episode. The yeah. Gate, the gatefold one. I just sometimes I can't remember if it was I read it on your blog or we did it. <laughs> both. We did both. Uh yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. I'd like to go back to some of that sometime. I, we gotta do a Lobo one time, Chris, too, because you for know that's sure. that's secretly one of my favorite characters too, so <laughs> we'll do that for sure. Sometime we'll do that. You know, the nineties books are good. But uh I think we've actually been talking here for about an hour or so. Okay. So, Sounds like a good time. Uh, definitely, folks. We want to. If you guys are fans of Green Lantern, or maybe if you want to tell us why the Nova Core is way better for some stupid ass reason, <laughs> uh, definitely write to us. Hit us up on Twitter. You know the deal. You know how to do it. Um, and again, thank you guys for your support. We have another one of these coming up this month. Plus, mm-hmm. Cosmic Treadmill After Dark is uh, one of my childhood favorites. Uh, once mm-hmm. again. So uh, I think we'll leave it there. Chris, got anything else for him? Uh, well, if, if you like this kind of discussion of uh, just a, a hero or a, a, or a group of heroes in this case and their mythology and lore and just our off-the-cuff thoughts, uh, let us know if there's any uh, any books out there you want to hear us just talk whimsically about, uh, any properties out there that uh, you want to hear us talk about The Flash or the, or the Doom Patrol or the X-Men or Spider-Man, just... Let yeah. us know, and we'll uh, and we'll we'll talk until you don't want to hear us talk anymore. <laughs> talk and talk and talk. I'll tell you, <laughs> I, I I can do the ones that you mentioned, but as you get more and more esoteric, it might get dip more difficult for me to talk <laughs> off the cuff. I'd be like, I it'll don't be a know. very short episode. You know, you'd be like, so what do you think of the Squadron Supreme? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everybody. Good night. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, definitely though. Yeah. Any suggestions of any kind, we are we are looking for, and if anything you want us to cover. We'll cover it one way or the other, you know. We uh, we got many styles, as they say. 
So, uh, I think we'll just put a pin in that for now and tell everyone to keep it on the treadmill cosmically. Thanks, guys. See ya. It fell a thousand years ago, green fire, so hot. A carving and a man and a super plan, and his name was Alan Scott. A man without fear, and that's for sure. He got his ring from Arkansas. He fought all the